In today's episode, we're going to be talking about how to create a vision statement for your relationship. And we just finished creating ours. So we're going to share our vision statement with you and tell you how we did it exactly. And hopefully this will inspire you to sit down with your significant other and do the same thing. Did you know the average couple waits six years to get help in their marriage? Yeah, that's six years of pain, hurt, and frustration. Hi there, I'm Charlotte Snow. And I'm Robert Snow. And welcome to Master Your Marriage. Where we believe that having an amazing marriage should never feel like hard work and shouldn't be a guessing game. This is the show for married couples who want to discover a scientifically proven approach to building a masterful marriage and have fun while doing it. So if that's you, you're in the right place. Let's dive in. All successful businesses have a vision statement. And in business, if we don't have a goal, it's just a wish or a hope. And as I like to say, a hope is not actually a business strategy. It's no. just a hope. Much the same in our relationships. Um, we can have hopes and dreams for our relationships. Yeah. We can even have goals. But hopes are not a good strategy for the success and the growth of our relationship either. Exactly. So that's why we're talking about how to create a vision statement for your relationship today. And why you need one in your family. Yeah. yeah so, absolutely. so let's just go through maybe a few reasons why you might want to create a vision statement for your family or for your relationship, or maybe both. I think Robert and I are, are doing both this year, a vision for our family as a whole, a vision for us individually as a partnership. But Absolutely, let's, yeah. let's talk about why we decided to do this, because we've done similar things in the past. We did it just a little bit differently this year. Let's talk about why we decided to do that. So this year, we really wanted to incorporate the vision statement that's going to add to the values, which we're going to talk about in a little bit. But it helps us to make better decisions for our relationship because we're more likely to act as we use this vision statement as this overall sort of framework for the goals and what we want to see our relationship do that year, um, we're more more likely to apply any decision to that vision statement and see and see if it meets that. And and what we like to say is um, where attention goes, energy flows. Exactly. And what's that Fight Club quote? You know, oh, yeah. if, you, if you don't know what you want, you end up with a lot that you don't want. So, yeah. you know, in that same vein, you know, a vision statement helps us to even define, to know what it is that we want so that we're not attracting or manifesting all these things into our life that really don't matter. They don't have meaning to us. And it helps keeps us focused, right? Um, it helps us set boundaries. Well, yeah, I was going to say, like, I, I think one of the things that I've struggled with in the past is saying yes to too many things because I've struggled in the past with with maybe being a little bit of a people pleaser, maybe not having clear boundaries. And so having a vision statement is some way for me to sort of have this evaluation filter where I can look at the things that come up like, you know, do you guys want to do this? Do you want to take this trip? Do you want to do this this particular event? Do you want to speak at this particular thing? You know, we can take these opportunities that come up in our lives and we can apply this evaluation filter by saying, is this in alignment with our vision statement? Yeah. And it would be the same thing as if we wanted to grow like another sector of our business as well. Like, right. hey, do you want to take on this project? Like, mm, you know what I mean? For this year, a vision statement doesn't say that we want to grow that piece. And so we're probably going to pass because 
where attention goes, energy flows. Right. So it helps us to set clearer boundaries. It makes us intentional, right? It makes us yeah. it makes us more intentional, which, you know, we talk a lot here about rituals of connection. And we believe rituals are the way to in- create that intentionality. And as we always say, small things done often are the things that matter the most. And so with that clear vision statement, again, having that, we get to go, okay, what are our priorities? What are the rituals that matter most to us? Yeah, and it keeps your relationship. I think that's the key, especially when this is a vision statement for your relationship. It keeps your relationship a priority, especially and when you guys go and do your vision statement, we want you to post it somewhere mm. very prominent so that you see it. Put it on the fridge if that's what you want to put it. Yeah. Um, ours would probably go on the back door because every day I go out the back door, I see all the important things that we need to do. Um, and that like brings, a magnet, a yeah, magnet board back there. Yeah, that that brings it to your forefront. You're seeing that, and then you know now that's going into your subconscious, and that's going to help you um, just kind of keep that in the forefront of your mind. Right, I like that, and that keeps us from letting our relationship go in onto autopilot, as you usually say. Right, yeah, I just threw the magnet on the back door thing just in. Yeah. I didn't even know that's where we're gonna put it. But. Yeah, and then I think the last thing I think why we need a vision statement is another one that we thought about is is just that you know. When you know where you're going and you have a clear direction of where your relationship is headed and you know what strategies you need to implement to get there, you don't get caught up as much on the little fights day to day. And and when there is a problem, when you do have conflict, I think you're more motivated to get through those conflicts more quickly to dialogue about them, to forgive each other, and to get back on track more quickly, don't you think? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I absolutely agree with that. As you hear our vision statement for our relationship, you'll see that if we had a conflict and if I read the vision statement the very next day, I would probably have to let that conflict go and learn how to repair that. So what exactly is a vision statement? Right. So let's talk about what it is. And then then we'll get into the nitty gritty of how to do it. But first... As you probably imagined, a vision statement is just this short, concise statement that really takes all of your intentions for the year, all of the things that are most important to you, and tries to put all of that into one short statement or or just a phrase or something that is going to be like your main overarching theme for the year, right? And so this means that throughout the year, we're going to be making a dedicated effort to prioritize this vision statement. And then again, as we said earlier, we'll filter all of our family goals and our family decisions and projects and opportunities through this vision. Yeah. And the key, I think, here is that this is an annual vision statement based Mm -hmm. on our values and goals for the year. Other people, other organizations, they have a vision statement that just carries them throughout you know, an indefinite time period. But we want to be clear that this is just an annual vision statement because our goals and our dreams and our values change from year to year, from year to year. And so we wanted our vision statement to include certain things. And that's why this is just sort of an annual one. We wanted it to this vision statement for us. We wanted it to represent um, our hopes and our dreams and some big picture ideas about those things that were important to each one of us individually and then and then as we come together, right? Yeah, I think that's an important point that it does change potentially from year to year. You might do a vision statement every year and have a lot of similarities from year to year. But then, as you just said, like things can change. Life can change us. So it, yeah. it is a good idea to revisit this vision statement and see what you need to do to maybe update it a little bit. So when we were looking at our individual goals, you know, like Robert said, we want it to represent 
both of our ideas. So we wanted it to be a collaboration. And so we we were very intentional about like writing it together so that we could both take pride and ownership in it. Yeah. And we wanted it to, we really wanted it to represent our core values. And, and, and we've talked about values in, in other podcasts. So sort of look up for that, but we wanted it to support our values. And also, um, you know, we are big on annual goals here in the, in the snow household yep. and in the master your marriage podcast as well. So we want, we want goals for, we want them to stretch us a little bit, but we, there's things we want to accomplish and, and that, and each of those goals, um, as we broke them down into what's important to us, each of those goals needed to be represented at least in some part in the vision statement, but not specifically because we're going to talk about how that, as we, how we drill down into those. Okay. So now we're going to talk about how we went about it because we put a lot of thought first into exactly our process on how we wanted to create a vision statement. And so as we explain our process, we hope that, again, it'll inspire you to to use it as a model, like not to copy our vision statement, but to use it as a model to go have those same conversations and discussions with your significant other. So this um, is the awesome part. It really creates... It, it's an opportunity to create a wonderful discussion with yes. your with your partner, and and we generally do we generally do our values um, assessment. We do this annually at our retreat. We needed to, we wanted to do it a little bit earlier this year because there's some other things that we're doing with that. But usually we'll sit at a desk and and kind of break out some time. But this time um, we did it while we were driving in the car. Let us start by telling you what our first step was oh, yeah. in creating this vision statement. So as Robert said, we were driving in the car and it was, we, we had to go pick up our son at midnight. So we, and we had an hour drive there and back. And so I was driving. And so yeah. Robert grabbed his notes, opened up his notes on his iPhone. And we started asking the questions that we, as Robert said, we ask every year, but we started out by doing a values assessment for each other's values in the context of our relationship. So what what does that look like? What question did we ask? So the question was, in the context of marriage, what is important to you? Right. Right. And so then you just you just sort of just brain dump. Like, you know, I have a whole list. And if you're watching it, you know, if you're watching on YouTube, like this is this is sort of the brain dump list. And I just write down just everything that comes into mind. And then you sort of have to ask the question again because it's like, what's important to you? And you say, oh, like love and, and respect, and respect trust and trust and, and loyalty. So you're, and, you're, you're getting, and then you go blank and then you yeah. go, okay, what else is important to you in the context of our marriage? And you keep digging. And you keep digging and digging. And it's surprising because you sort of draw a blank and then you ask again. And then all of a sudden, 10 more things pop into your mind and you dump those out again. And so we just continue asking what is important to us? What is important to us? What is important to us? And so he wrote down his list first and then I was driving. So I just started naming off the things that were important to me. And we really didn't share our lists yeah, that's at the, first. That's the interesting part, especially when we talk about kind of these, the, the lists. Generally, we'd do these individually. We'd ask each other a question and just sort of write it down. In this case, because I was the scribe, I got to hear her things. I was like, oh, dang it. <laughs> Wish I had that on my list. <laughs> I'm going to add it to my list. Yeah, now. well, and I tried not to because I really wanted it to be much the same that we've done before, but we ended up with a really big. It took us list. about it took us about an hour to to go through and create these two lists: yes. his list of what was most important to him in our relationship, my list of what was important to me. And I think on our lists, you had like fifty things on your list, and I had 
40 things on my list. So it was really comprehensive. Yeah. So we had to go through this massive list and look for words that had similar meanings or words that represented the same concept. So in the NLP world, we call that complex equivalence. So we just looked at, I, I looked at my list. Oh, this word has the same meaning as this word. So I'm just going to group those two things together. So that shortened our list down a little bit. So it wasn't quite sitting at like 50 items anymore. Yeah, that's the that's a process just like, oh, well, you know, I mean, I think these words mean the same thing to me, or at least the way I look at that word, it can mean the same thing as those mm -hmm. as those three or four words. And so we, we so chopped that, those lists down. That whittled down the list a little bit. And then we said, okay, now order what's left in order of importance. And this was really hard. Yeah, that's, and I remember one of the things early on we learned that this has to just be unconscious. Yeah. Like you just, you look at it and you're like, that, that is most important. And you just write it down. I mean, you get five, mm -hmm. right? I, well, that was the end goal. But we just, at first we just looked, okay, what's most important? What's yeah. the next most important? What's the next most important? And just and, rank them. And yeah. you just one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. And the faster you can do it, it gets the conscious brain out of the way a little bit more and gets more of your actual true answers. So just do that part really quickly. So then once we were done, we really honed in on just the top five right. on each of our lists. Yeah. Or top six in my case. I just couldn't, I couldn't, couldn't figure out couldn't how to go do five. five. Yeah. So we looked at the top because the thing with values on an unconscious level, they are actually hierarchically organized on an unconscious level, which means some of those things are far more important to us than other things. And we really wanted to hone in on what was at the top of our list. Absolutely. And and your top five are really the ones that that drive your almost all of your unconscious unconscious decisions. decisions. Is yeah. all of them or just almost all of them? Well, the, everything that's everything that you're motivated to do is going to be in your top five or six or seven things in your values. And that's why this is so important to dig down and figure out what they are, because if you just ask the question enough times and then you rapidly rank order them, you're you're really taking the conscious mind out of the equation. You're letting your subconscious, which is really driving truly how you feel about that. And then you need to compare your list to your partner's list. So then we took our top five, his top five, my top five. We had a lot of overlap, which wasn't surprising because we do this every year and yes. we stay really experts in each other's lives. So we had a lot of similarities in our top five. We had some words on his list that meant the same thing as words on my list. So then we said, okay, let's make a combined top five list. Let's mix yours with mine and let's come up with a top five list of our combined relationship values. So now we're going to tell you what they are. Drum roll. Drum roll. What are our top five values going into 2024? For Robert and Charlotte. Okay. Yeah. So our first one is friendship. Friendship. And so what we defined that because we had to take a minute and go, okay, what does that mean? Because what does that mean to me? What does it mean to you? Words mean different things to different people. And so we, we had to sit and talk about it. Okay, what does friendship mean to you? And why is that important to you? And is there a story behind that for you? And tell me more about that. So even each of these top five demanded we sit down and have another conversation. I think anytime you sit down and have conversation with each other, it's a beautiful thing. So yes. this was great. So what friendship meant to us was what? Well, so what it meant to, as we put our list together, was emotional connection, um, mm -hmm. spending time with each other, doing things that we love, mm -hmm. right? Sort of boiled that down and, um, and you know, Having fun even just fun ac activities and adventures yeah, was part of it. Yeah. Right. And I thought that was, and, and that pretty much sort of sums up the sort of the friendship side as we combine our two, our two together on that right. one. 
So what was our second? So that was value number one. And then the next one on our combined list was? Was loyalty. Oh, oh, man. that's uh, For me, that was having each other's back, right? We got to really, you know, I got to, I got to pick you, take your side publicly, right? Mm -hmm. It's also like we're a united front. Yes. So that means we're not going to gossip about each other behind each other's back. We're not going to run to the person at work or the friend or the neighbor when we're mad at each other. We're going to say, you know, we love each other enough that if there's a problem, we're bringing that problem to each other. That's what loyalty means to us. Yeah, we keep that problem within the relationship. We keep it We keep it private. And then outwardly, we have a united front, right? If someone says something about him, I'm going to defend him. Even if I maybe didn't re- necessarily think he made the right decision in that moment, I'll talk to him about that privately later. So loyalty, we had to sit down because loyalty had a lot of different meanings to both of us. And I actually had used a different word, but it meant the same thing as loyalty. But for us, that really is summed up by having each other's back. And that has a lot to do, oftentimes in loyalty, it has a lot to do with um, relationships in um, like in-laws as well. Mm. Brothers and sisters and, and things like that can sometimes say things. And you may be willing, you know, you may say like, yeah, I know, I, I know he's a meathead, but but I love him anyway, instead of saying like, no, he's my meathead. Yeah. 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 And I'm going to stick with this one. And then, you know, that, that again, take those conversations offline because right. loyalty means you're having that conversation and truthful conversations. And being honest and yeah. being able to take that feedback from each other. Yeah. That's like next one's acceptance. So our um, third value we came up with is acceptance. Yeah. And, you know, and I think as we sat down and we, we delved into what acceptance meant to both of us, it was recognizing that we love most things about each other, but maybe sometimes not everything, right? And so we do live, learn to live with the rest of those little idiosyncrasies. Like the other day, we went to church. Oh, I was going to say, what, what, where, and, where's this going? I want to hear this. And yeah. I, I can be, uh, I can be kind of spacey sometimes. I'm, uh, I can be kind of have my blonde moments and I took my keys to church, didn't put them in my purse. I sat them on the pew and I left and couldn't find my keys anywhere. And we spent we spent forever. And I was certain that that's where I had left my keys. We looked for an hour for my keys. And Robert knows I can just be kind of an airhead sometimes. It wasn't even, at all where I said I left them. Well, I don't even know about that. You didn't have pockets on your dress. So yeah. there's part of that. Yeah. Still. So, you know, there's things we, we live with in each other. We don't get hung up on some of those little idiosyncrasies. And, and I think that's part of acceptance. And we see that, like we'll see that in, in the couples that we coach and even some of our friends where sometimes they're, they're beating up on their partner just a little bit. For the nitpicky things. Yeah, the nitpicky things. Yeah. You know. Acceptance is also, you know, recognizing that when one person comes to the other to share something, Ooh. even if it's something we don't necessarily agree with, even if it's sometimes something that's hard to hear um, even if it's something that makes us uncomfortable from time to time, we still strive to be curious and to try to understand their position, even if we don't agree with it. And this is where vulnerability comes in, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Because without acceptance, I really can't be vulnerable and she can't be vulnerable. Knowing that regardless of what I tell her, that acceptance is is an overriding theme for us in our relationship. I can then be more vulnerable, which, by the way, vulnerability leads to intimacy. Exactly. Yep. Okay. Right. So that was acceptance, and that's what how we defined it. Yep. You might define it different. 
Um, okay, so the next core value in our relationship that was important for our combined list. I want to say it. This is you me. say it. Yeah, physical intimacy and passion. And this means we prioritize sex, yeah. sexual and non-sexual physical touch. Yeah. Um, and also to to us, and we both sort of came up with this, it means that we want to be desired and we want to, we want you to choose, we want to choose each other. We want to choose, feel chosen and feel yeah. desired, feel wanted. And, um, you know, hey, like it or not, it feels good to be attracted by or into each other. Right. So Yeah, without a doubt. So that's that being wanted, being chosen. And so that that passion is important to us, even as old as we are. <laughs> right. And then our last and, and Robert actually came up with the language for this one, which I loved. Um, I had a different word for it, but when he said it and it had the same meaning, I was like, oh, I want to use yours in our combined list because I love it. And he used the word counselor and confidant. And I just loved that because that's what we want to be to each other. We want to be each other's counselor, each other's confidant. And we want to make sure that we have a safe place between us where we can share our individual stresses and worries and trials and provide that support to each other. And at times, it's it's also being a counselor is also not just showing support, but it's also coming to each other and saying, we, we can do better than this. Like, I need you to up level. I, I think there's more that you can do here to better yourself for the good of the friendship. So sometimes it's calling on each other to step it up. And at the same time with this counselor, I like to say that it's it's being willing to accept influence. Mm. Right. So when, you know, when there's a big decision to be made, whatever that decision is, even if you know the answer, still just counseling with your partner uh, and and you guys decide together if that's if that's right. And if there's a big disconnect between what one wants and what the other one doesn't want, then you have to be able to you have to be able to kind of reconcile that and be willing to make, you know, change your perspective based on that input from your partner. So just to repeat our five things real quickly, it was friendship, loyalty, acceptance, physical intimacy and passion and counselor and confidant. So right. those, those were our top five combined values for going, us going into 2024. So, so given this list, we, we created one vision statement and sort of a sentence or paragraph that encompasses all of these things. And so another drum roll, our vision statement for 2024 is Charlotte. Right. It is to nurture and grow our friendship so we can better serve our family and community while also creating a deeper sense of meaning and purpose in our own lives. So very big picture, right? So our, our vision statement is very big picture, but it is, again, that filter that we can start to filter our everything through as we go through the next year. Right. So then we thought, well, okay, so that's really global and big picture, but let's do what businesses do because businesses create a vision statement, but then they also create strategies and tactics. Tactics. Yeah. So we decided we didn't want just a vision statement, but let's get into some specific strategies and tactics on how we're going to achieve this. And, and in business, sometimes these strategies are big goals. Tactics, again, are the path on how you're going to um, take advantage or how you're going to execute, right? In our world, tactics will be called the rituals that we're going to implement on our daily lives, um, weekly and monthly as needed, uh, to kind of help reinforce 
the overarching goals that we have, which is then, which is also supported by the vision statement. Right. So that way the tactics support the strategies and the strategies support the vision statement. Yeah, without right? a doubt. So all of the choices that we're making, all the rituals that we're creating are going to make that vision a reality. Yeah. And small things done often. Right. Can they build strong relationships and create the most change. Right. So we're now, how can we break this down any even further to creating those small rituals that we do often in our lives, right? That's that's what we want to do. Yeah, absolutely. So we're going to talk about now is we're going to talk about the strategies that we came up with, and we're going to talk about the tactics that we came up with and how we're going to go about achieving this vision that we've created. So the first thing is that our first strategy is that we're going to deepen friendship through prioritizing time that we spend together. So that was our first strategy, which is still a little bit uh, big picture. It's not as big picture as the vision statement. But then we looked, okay, that if that's the strategy, we want to deepen friendship through prioritizing the time we spend together. What are some of the tactics or, right. or in our world rituals that we can create to make that happen? Yeah. And those of you who've been listening know that we're a big fan of a weekly marriage meeting or a state of the union. So we want to make sure that we're having that weekly marriage meeting, right? Mm -hmm. um, we want to make sure that in our world, and it's different for everyone, at least we're having one date night per week, mm -hmm. right? This is another, so these are very specific. Um, we want, again, to help encourage our friendship, right? We want to have at least one overnight getaway per quarter, which is for a year. Right, just us. Just us. No kids. Right, and then um, another specific strategy, uh, sorry, tactic for this would be a monthly family adventure, and we're going to make sure that that's put on the calendar. Right. And actually, on that note, we ordered um, what we do every year is we order a brand new, it's like six feet tall, this 12-month calendar. And all of these things that we're talking about actually get put on this calendar right now, like in January, the first of the year. Yeah. And then, you know, I update it on my phone so then mm -hmm. I can have it digitally. So we update our love maps on date nights. Um, so we talk about our lives we put down our devices and we're just asking those questions. Right. Yeah. So those are some specific tactics or rituals that are going on our calendar. Date nights are going on our calendar. We know we're going to update our love maps on those on those date nights. Yeah. We're scheduling our weekly meetings. All of that's going on our calendar. Yeah. And that is all of those are specific tactics for how we're going to maintain and in create an enduring friendship. Perfect. Over this next year. Those Perfect. are some that of the supports specific. Our vision. Yeah, the supports the visions. Okay, the next strategy, um, we came up with five, but the next strategy that we came up with is that we're going to demonstrate loyalty by talking about problems in the relationship only in the relationship, okay. right? Yep. So let's talk about some of the tactics or specific rituals or commitments that we're going to make to ensuring that that happens. Well, as we talked about before, we're going to commit that we're not going to gossip about each other. Um ever and we're not going to talk about a relationship behind each other's backs. Right. We're not going to share that at work with, um, you know, anybody else who would hear our problems mm -hmm. because that's not helping our relationship. Because if I'm loyal to you, then I'm going to bring my problems to you. And I'm going to talk about that in our relationship, even if it's hard. Yeah, I, I think loyalty demands that, right? Even if it's hard to talk about, we we know that we commit and love each other too much to either avoid the conversation altogether and let it resentment build and let the problem fester. So, and we, we're not going to take the problem somewhere else. So that means we're committed to 
promising to each other that we're going to have these conversations that need to be had. We're going to have them quickly and we're going to have them calmly and kindly and respectfully. And this is the part they think that's important when both of us have this goal around loyalty. Charlotte and I are both specific on this goal that we know that if we have an issue that we're going to have to talk about it. We can't just sweep it under the rug because she's the only person I can talk to about it, given the goal that we have and the specific tactic in our relationship. I can't take it anywhere else. So then she has to be open to have that conversation with me. Yeah, I can't. I can't just. And, and if you bring it to me, I can't hide from it either. Right. Absolutely. And, yeah. And similarly, when it comes to loyalty and this promise that we're making to each other, we also know that we're going to have conflicts because everybody has conflicts. And yep. unfortunately, there will be some, hopefully not very many, but there will be from time to time a regrettable incident where someone maybe says something to the other that maybe not be on our best day, may not be our best choice. And so we have a ritual where that will be processed and we will deal with that before or on our next marriage meeting. So we know we're meeting once a week for these marriage meetings. If we don't process it immediately and apologize to each other immediately, we're making a commitment that it's not going past that next marriage meeting, that we're going to sit down, process that regrettable incident. We're going to learn from what happened. We're going to commit to do better. And we're going to apologize to each other for what happened. Yeah. And that's how, and that in, in that State of the Union weekly marriage meeting, we're going to ask that question. That's one of our questions. Has there been anything this week that we need to process? Exactly. Right. Yeah. So um, let's move on to the next strategy. Number three, right? Acceptance. So we show acceptance by seeking to understand and remain curious about our partner. Okay. So acceptance. How are we going to create specific rituals and tactics to make this happen? So first of all, we're going to do this by creating an emotionally safe place. Yeah, right? absolutely. We're promising to each other. There's no room here for contempt. That judgment. is an absolute no. no. I'm not better than you. We're not going to look down on each other. We're not going to judge, you know, each other harshly like this. It, if we're going to have acceptance, there's acceptance. Yeah. Absolutely. We just have to be open and curious Yeah, about that. Even if we disagree, yeah. we have to do our best to understand our partner's position, like where they're coming from. Understand those, those deeply held values. And if you don't know what that is, then let's Let's try to seek to understand their deeply held core values, why that topic is important to them. And then we're going to gain some more understanding and appreciation for them. Right. So also in um, in order to have more acceptance in our relationship, we are agreeing to um, that if one person shares a vulnerability, that we are going to express gratitude to each other for their willingness to do that, because we know that it's not easy to express vulnerabilities. And so again, there won't be judgment around that. There's going to be gratitude and appreciation instead. And I think goes along with that when it comes to acceptance is not weaponizing that vulnerability. Because mm. I think sometimes that happens, you know, you get spun up and you get mad and you're like, well, yeah, but you said blank. That acceptance means that you don't get to use that as a tool or a weapon against them, even mm -hmm. if you're having the worst day on the planet. Yep. Right. And then um, an idea Robert had to make this more of a ritual um, that I loved as we were talking about ways to create tactics around this is he's like, why don't we add this to our weekly marriage meeting questions that we ask every week? Why don't we ask the question, how can I help you to feel more accepted in the upcoming week? And if there is a, something that comes to mind, share that thing. And then the other person commit to trying to do better in that particular area. I thought that was a great idea. Yeah, I like that. Um, then we can, you know, we can also give and receive feedback on how we can show more acceptance to the year 
just by just by asking that question. Yeah. Just by asking that question. Okay, let's talk about how we're going to do more physical intimacy. Oh, so. we'd love to do more physical intimacy, wouldn't <laughs> okay. we? So what are some specific tactics in order to do that? So this one I always thought's interesting and I hear it from probably Charlotte more than anything else, right? Is mm -hmm. scheduled sex. Yeah. I okay, you guys, I I know some people disagree with this, but I love scheduled sex. You know, the times where and certainly we it's not always scheduled around here. There's a lot of spontaneous sex too. But when we have it on the schedule, first of all, you know that you're not gonna, a bunch of time is not gonna go by and you're gonna not do that. But not only that, but to me, especially for me, I find that I I have more arousal and that arousal is easier for me when I'm thinking about the different things throughout the day. Like, you know, it's gonna happen. So you think about you know, what you're going to wear or what perfume you're going to wear or your, how you're going to set things up. And so for me, it actually increases arousal and desire. So I think scheduled sex is a great way to have a specific ritual or tactic in order to create more physical intimacy. Yeah. I mean, and, and even for, you know, from my perspective, it's always sort of fun. Just like, oh, hey, you know, I know that we have this time when we're going to be together. Intimacy is huge on my list, mm -hmm. right? And it's like top. I'm not sure. Um, I think it was number two for you. Yeah. And so that's, for me, intimacy is sex and connection. So like when that happens, that's meeting like one of my top needs. But what I want to talk about next in, in this intimacy side um, is just, is this rituals for non-sexual touch. Right. Right. Because I think there's a lot of people that, and there's some people that are not, um, physical touch is not really their thing as much, right? It's not the one thing that really, that really you know, spins them up, but, but having a way where you can commit to asking the question and understanding what non-sexual touch is like in your relationship, where you can commit, whether it's just touching, you know, Charlotte would always do this thing where she would just put her hand on my leg and, and put her, put her hand under my seatbelt while we're driving, right? Not necessarily sexual, but it was just her way of connecting with me by a touch. And I think it's important to kind of find out what really works for your partner, ask mm -hmm. them, or maybe even just pay attention, right? To what types of things are working non-sexually. You're just trying to hug or rubbing the back, rubbing the arm, whatever that would be. Um, those are super important to kind of dig in and find out what that is. And then, and then we want to then create a ritual around that mm -hmm. sexual and non-sexual touch, right? So that, that you're just kind of, kind of increasing your intimacy and your connection um, before you leave, when you come home. So for us, we have a morning ritual. And that morning ritual is always a hug and a kiss before Robert usually leaves first, before he leaves the house. We have a ritual for how we greet each other at the end of the day. So we embrace when he comes home. He usually comes over, you know, gives me a hug, maybe kisses the back of my neck. Um, other other rituals that we have that that enhance physical intimacy, we'll hold hands, maybe we'll go for a walk after dinner, depending on the weather, and we'll hold hands while we go out on the bike trail that's behind our house. Or as Robert said, when we're driving in the car, we have rituals around, you know, movie night and just staying in and watching a movie and snuggling on the sofa in the basement. So there's those are our specific tactics on how we're going to achieve that. Lastly, we have one more, our our final strategy is to be each other's counselor and confidant. Isn't that fun? 
And I, I love that one. That, that's a really fun one. Yeah. So one of the things that's big, another ritual that we have is these things called daily stress relieving conversations. And by the way, marriages that, that are on the successful side of the equation do tend to have more daily stress relieving conversations than the ones that don't. Um, and so of course this is a part of one of the rituals that we do and and it's probably five out of seven days of the week where right. we'll, we'll work, work days usually work days we'll you know she'll just hop in the car when i get home from work and we'll just drive somewhere for five or ten minutes even if that's just down you know to get gas or whatever that is um and just kind of decompress and the um, key thing with that that we've talked about on previous episodes like the one we just did recently on meta emotions is that when you're listening to your other per person's stresses and worries and concerns your job isn't to fix anything right your job is just to be the confidant your job is to just listen and let them share with you if they ask for help great but unless they ask for help it's really just about listening and being there for them um and and so these stress relieving conversations like robert said this is something that we'll we've done already but we're going to continue doing throughout the year that's a specific tactic to be each other's confidant and counselor. The next thing is that we, um, is accepting influence. And, and this we've talked about already today, but you know, we ask for each other's opinions. We want each other's opinions on how to approach everything. And sometimes we already think we know what, what we're gonna do, but it's still nice to listen to the other person's ideas and be willing to change your perspective, change, your opinion based on the input that you receive. Yeah, that's hard, right? Sometimes, sometimes it's hard to change your perspective based on on the on new information. Am I am I grown up enough to accept your input and being able to change that and be able to learn from the other person? I think sometimes we get in this position where we feel like we know more about whatever that is, um, and and there's always something to learn about your reactions, the way that you're handling things. Um, and, and being able to take input and honestly, I, I think it's maybe not even as much about being able, being able to take input, but freeing your partner up to give you honest feedback, mm. right? I think it's freeing them up to give you honest impact, uh, honest, um, you know, just honest information about how you're coming off, how maybe you were a little bit strict, or maybe that you're a little bit sharp with the other person. Um, and if you don't say that you're willing to learn from your partner, then you're clearly not willing to accept feedback or really get better. And this is how we grow. Yeah. Yeah. So we that. grow. Right. I love that. And um, so it, it really what you're saying is like just being able to know that we can call on each other to do better for the good of the friendship when when we need to give that feedback and and. Again, going back to what we said earlier, which was our number two, I think, on our list, was you have to have that acceptance, right? There has to be acceptance in the relationship to be able to have those kinds of conversations. Yeah, absolutely. There has to be that that and and trust and that loyalty to be able to have those conversations. Yeah. So all of these goals sort of support the other goals, and they help us to achieve that vision statement, which I'll just say it one more time for fun, and then we'll wrap this up. So our vision... All of these things combined, our vision for the year is to nurture and grow our friendship so we can better serve our family and community while also creating a deeper sense of meaning and purpose in our own lives. And we hope that you will take the opportunity in your relationship to build out your own vision statement 
to take some of these steps and find a way to create something that's that has as much impact and meaning in your life as these steps do for us. This is a non-negotiable thing for us on an annual basis. We don't skip this. We don't miss this. This is the piece that we feel like is more important than than setting a goal to lose weight on New Year's Day or go to the gym. Absolutely. This is because what else is more important to you really in your life than your most important relationship? Yeah. Is is going to the gym as important as this? Is losing five pounds as important to this? I, I mean, to me, the answer is not even close because yeah. the, as we strengthen our relationship, it filters out to everything else in our life, our health, our family, our career, our friendships. Everything gets better as our relationship gets better. Yeah. Well, I think this was awesome. I think that was awesome. This was great. So remember, as always, be kind to each other. Put each other first. Remember, it's the small and simple things done consistently that make the biggest difference. Until next time. Thank you for listening to Master Your Marriage. If you have a topic you'd like us to cover, then we want to hear from you. Just go to MasterYourMarriagePodcast.com and send us your question. Oh, and while you're there, you can also check out our retreats and events and even apply for coaching. And make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you get advanced notice of when the next episode drops, plus show notes and many extras. Thanks again for tuning in.